Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there but it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am Kat. I hope you're having a great day. Thank you so much for being here. And gosh, we have a treat for you. My dear friend, Ashley Abercrombie, who, gosh, what doesn't this woman do? She is like superwoman here in New York City, wife, mother, writer, author, speaker, and now first-time book publisher of the book Rise of the Truth Teller. When I met Ashley Abercrombie, gosh, a little over a year ago, she's one of those people that you just like being around her evokes honesty and she doesn't take BS and yet she's so full of grace and our friendship has challenged me so much. She's so committed to social justice, racial reconciliation, and living this honest and raw and redeemed life. So I cannot wait to get into this conversation with her and for you to get to know her better. So here we go with Ashley Abercrombie. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and so happy to be live in person. So often this is like me recording in my closet, but we're here (laughs) in this beautiful apartment in Brooklyn, overlooking the skyline with my friend Ashley Abercrombie, author, speaker, writer, now published author. Yes. How are you, girl? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with you. I love this podcast and I love the women that you serve. So it's such an honor to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to be seeing you in real life. I know. In person. It's so rare to get to do yes. this. I know. We just did a fun little photo shoot. We did. Kat yeah. is um, helping me move my body appropriately, guys. So if you need a little expert around that, she's your girl. She knows what she's doing, guys. I just put your hand like this. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that was a this. <laughs> Definitely. It's definitely a this. I mean, honestly, I told you this when we were shooting, like one of the best things that helped me being a photographer was getting my picture taken. And as soon as you get your picture taken, you're like, I feel so awkward. Like completely. What do I do with my hands? Yes. Put my hands. Correct. Is there another face I could make? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Just gets glamour shots and old and old in 0.2 seconds. But I think with like with photos, what I've realized is like, the more loose you are, the more you just, you just can't care. Just be like, yeah, whatever. Like, cause I think what really stops a lot of people is like their fear of the bad picture not looking good. Totally. There's going to be a lot of pictures that don't look good. That's it's right. It's going to be fine. That's right. You don't have to show anyone. That's so I won't true. show them to you. If I'm a good photographer, I won't show them to you. Thank you. Or to the rest of you listening. Yeah. You've never seen them. <laughs> but we just have to, you know, it's good to, you know, get over the fear of, yeah. you know. 
disappointing ourselves and yeah. others and you know people don't care that's so true and being comfortable in your own skin yes. I feel like that's a whole lesson as a mm-hmm. woman yes and such a lifelong journey mm-hmm. of figuring out how am I at home in myself yes so that I can do whatever and not be afraid of how it turns yep. out because mm-hmm. some will be great some won't be yeah but being at home in yourself is yeah. important so do you feel at home in yourself <laughs> yes I do okay <laughs> I think it's been a long journey for me yeah. to get there for sure yeah. Um, especially with my background, like mm-hmm. dealing with so many different issues yeah. and struggles and addictions and all kinds yeah. of things. I think for me coming into my own yeah. and feeling like, okay, I don't really care as much what people think about yeah. me. And I feel good about my, yeah. myself and who mm-hmm. I am and how I'm wired. Yeah. That's been a journey. Mm. <laughs> well, let's kind of go through a brief, like who is Ashley? Like, what is your story? Mm-hmm. I mean, I am so excited for your book to come out just because mm-hmm. I'm so excited for millions of people (laughs) to read. Um, but yeah, let's, I just want to kind of open this conversation Mm -hmm. to hearing your story, like where you came from, Mm -hmm. what's your background? You know, I know you alluded just a second Mm -hmm. ago to some addictions and overcoming and I love your story. So I'm excited to hear more of it. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a tiny little small town in Eden, North Carolina. So literally like 14,000 people in my hometown. So tiny and a beautiful place to grow up. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, uh, it's the kind of place where you grow up, everybody knows you, but nobody really knows you. Mm. So there's a great gap between who you really are and the image you portray to people. And so for me, I was a professional mask wearer, like Mm. a PhD in pretending. Mm. And so I had so many things that I was dealing with and wrestling with. And had no place for my questions, for my doubts, for my insecurities. And I didn't know how to talk about those. I also was kind of raised as one of those people who people came to for advice and sort of the strong one is the role that I played. But I really didn't know how to take my mask off and share that I also had needs and that I also needed other people to be in my life. I didn't understand reciprocity. I didn't even know it was a thing. And so because of that, I hid. And I didn't want anybody to see anything ugly. And when I went off to college, like right before I left, I kind of got tired of wearing a mask all the time, but at the same time still kept doing it because those are your coping skills, right? Like we're all raised with something. (laughs) Those are my coping mechanisms. And as I left for college, just unable to deal with the pressure anymore, started using drugs, started um, abusing alcohol. And then it wasn't too long after that, that I started having an eating disorder, dealing with bulimia for four years. And it was a really difficult time in my life. And during that time as well, um, went through a sexual assault on campus by a guy that I know. Um, And that was one of the most difficult times in my life. But at the same time, I remember waking up the next morning after the rape happened and literally going to work as if nothing had happened to Mm -hmm. me. And that was how big the disconnect was with my mask wearing. I really didn't know where to put anything. So just like, I'll stick this somewhere where nobody will ever find Mm -hmm. it. I'll put this somewhere where I'll never have to deal with it and I will just keep it moving. And self-harm is one of the ways I could keep it moving because I needed Mm -hmm. to get emotions out somehow and bulimia really helped me do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I continued to grow, that began to fall apart. It's like, this isn't enough anymore. And I think I gave myself permission. I used to smoke um, <laughs> Newports. So I got in the car to smoke a pack of Newports and <laughs> ended up in a parking lot. It started dumping buckets of rain. And I remember sitting in the car and just started shouting, where are you, God? Where are you? Mm-hmm. And just so overwhelmed, wondering like, where is God? Like, how can he not be in the midst of this? Like, how, why isn't he helping me? What is wrong with me? And I think in that conversation, not only experienced the presence of God, but also this very real understanding of my life is totally out of control Mm -hmm. and I need to just admit that to myself and I had never given myself permission to fall apart and I'm sure everyone outside watching 
understood that my life was falling apart. I mean, most definitely my behavior would have been telling, but I had never really said it to myself. Like I have no longer have any control over this. And so it was a journey for me to admit that to myself and to God. And it was a longer journey for me to start telling people what was really going on with me because I was still very afraid of them. I was very afraid if I let you know what's really up with me, like the shame of being rejected or the shame of being abandoned or the shame of feeling isolated or like I'd been a fraud this whole time. I was so terrified to share with people. So that was a whole other journey for me. Yeah. And then found out I was pregnant not too long later and ended up having an abortion the next day. Didn't really give myself an opportunity to really think about it. Um, and just did it. And then moved through a thousand miles away a week later. (laughs) Is this this all your freshman year of college? (laughs) This is in like a two year period of time. So it was really, really difficult. But I think that we all struggle to tell the truth about ourselves. Mm. And I think that we all struggle with wearing a mask. And I think that we all wrestle with these decisions and we are unable to invite people into our decisions because we're so scared of what they're going to think. And we're so scared of what's going to happen if we just get honest and get real and get open. And so a part of my journey is realizing like perfection is a total farce and life is really hard for Mm -hmm. most people. That's mm-hmm. not just, you know, it wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge revelation for me to understand, like, man, life is just hard. Yeah. And that's how I started the healing process, yeah. moving 3,000 miles away. <laughs> wow. So, there's so much to unpack there. There is, yes. Um, what I'm curious about, about one of the mm-hmm. things that you just said is, you know, we have these moments where, you know, you're in your car mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, like, first of all, God, are you real? Like, totally. God, why aren't you here? Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was like, in that moment, how did you, you said you had an experience. How do you know, like, oh, that's God? Like how, like, what was that experience? What was that? Yeah. And what happened after that moment? It's a really powerful question. I think for me, it sort of felt like if you could picture a dam, mm-hmm. that's what it felt like for me inside mm-hmm. my heart. The things that I was dealing with, my emotions, my um, need to hide and pretend and perform and to achieve, to find value, mm. to, to do something for others, to serve them in order to have significance. And it just felt like this dam. And on the inside of me was everything that was really going on. Mm. And in that moment in the car, it just sort of felt like heaven took a little hammer mm. and just like started tapping the inside. And it just gushed. And instead of feeling like condemnation or feeling like um, shame or feeling like rejection, it felt like love. It just felt like a river running through me. Um, And I understood in that moment that I didn't have to get it together to be loved and that it was okay to be broken. And I think that's a really powerful thing to know Mm -hmm. is that we're not supposed to be perfect. Like it's, we're created for wholeness. We're not created for perfection and we can find wholeness in the midst of our brokenness. And for me, that was a great encouragement. Mm -hmm. And realizing that some things just aren't your fault yeah. and the, that you have to heal from them. And the only way to do that is openly and honestly in relationship with God and relationship with others. Yeah. Like that's how we heal mm-hmm. to be loved in the midst of who we are. Mm-hmm. That's how we heal. So then what happens, you know, you talk about, you have this moment where you realize, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I'm not perfect. I don't have it together. Mm-hmm. Like I can't go on anymore but then it's like it sounds like there was some time before you brought other people into that process Mm -hmm. and so I'd love to hear about that and then in in line with that like in this like social media world like we put the filtered version of ourselves Mm -hmm. forward right and it can be easy really to hide what's really going on but then also we're like I'm gonna share on Instagram that whatever the thing is like I have no people that the day they've had a miscarriage, it's 
life. Totally. Or I know there's a lot going on in, in the church right now and like a person just recently yeah. passed away and that day his family, it's like, everyone's talking about it that day. Yes. And I have zero judgment about that. But mm-hmm. part of me has just wondered like, you know, yes, let's be vulnerable. Yes. Let's talk about these things with other people, yeah. but like, what is it to protect our process of healing as mm-hmm. well? So kind of like first, what was your process to finally then opening up? Mm-hmm. Cause then, you know, there's something wrong you weren't inviting people into it. And then what's the balance of like, not all people get to know all the things all at once. Right. You know, totally. Well, I think I want to start by saying that we're a people obsessed with image. Mm. You know, it just has always been that way. I think Mm. that sometimes we could be confused and think that in our social media world, that it only happens right now. You know, that we're just these people who are putting out these images or we feel this great need to respond to a crisis or a tragedy immediately, or to sort of put our, uh, to tell the story immediately so that people can know what's going on or pray for us or whatever it might be. But it really goes all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. I mean, we, in the very, very beginning, they make a mistake Mm -hmm. together. They make a mistake and they hide from God. And he's like, where are you? You know, he asked them, he knew where they were, but he's asking them, where are you? And they're covering themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's always been the temptation. And even when I look at the couple of generations before me, even members of my own family or members of other people's families that I'm very close to, everyone wants to put their best foot forward. People are really obsessed with wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's limited to just our digital age. At the same time, I do think that it is really important for process to be a real thing. And I think in the context of safe, healthy relationships is where we need to be processing things. And if you don't have those, there's things like therapy or um, support groups or recovery groups that people can get involved in grief recovery groups. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways and outlets to begin to have a safe space to share. And I think when we don't have that, either we go further into our holes or we go out really loud with Mm -hmm. our story because Mm -hmm. I would have someone in my corner saying, Hey, it's not appropriate for you to share that with people right now. You are so raw. You are so vulnerable. Like it would not be safe for you to put your heart out like that. But I don't think everyone has that. Um, And I do think sometimes that even sharing your story can be a way of masking. Yeah. You know, because you can share whatever you're going through and blast it out on social media. And at the same time, not really be connected to the information you're sharing. And I think that that also is a way of hiding. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're really loud about it or you never tell anyone, both are just the opposite ends of the coin. So I think you have to find this sweet and nuanced middle. Yeah. That is a place where we process with God, with others, with professional help when we need it, because mental health is real. And I I think therapy is awesome. I have participated in every way you could possibly imagine Mm -hmm. and will continue to. Yeah. Because it's been a blessing to me and yeah. because I've needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have to figure out what are our, what's our sweet zone in the middle yeah. where we don't have to be so polarized on the other end. Right. Or I just wonder too, like, what does it look like not to hide? Mm. You know, like, is it, cause it's right. like, there's hiddenness on both sides of the yes. spectrum, right? Like yes. one, I mean, I found my, like myself, like what, what can be my go-to is hiding behind leadership. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that like growing up, like you're the strong yes. one, people go That's to you right. and that yeah. definitely was my childhood. You know, I grew yeah. up with addiction all around me, yeah. divorce, like lots of drama in my family. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was mama hen to my little totally. siblings. Like they needed me. And mm-hmm. I was like first responder type mm-hmm. personality. And then that worked really well for me. Like I always was a good leader growing up. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, captains on the sports teams totally. I played on, you know, like all too. the things. Yes. People are always looking to me. And yeah. that is, I think, a gifting that I have, mm-hmm. although I think we're all leaders, 
Um, I think it's a gifting that I had, but I realized a couple years ago, like I'm using this to hide <sighs> because as long as other people need me, I'm not fully letting myself need others. Woo! So I was like walking around. I was like, man, I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. Right. Like, all these people consider me their best friend and right. I don't feel known by any of them. Totally. You know, and it's still something that I have to really actively be like, all right, like, am I, am I coming in with like a savior complex right now? Or like, I really worked hard to like, um, create relationships in my life where Mm -hmm. I really need others and it's super vulnerable. And that's where my kind of bent towards hiding goes to is Mm -hmm. like, let me hide behind other people needing me or let me teach. Let me immediately use this heartbreak point to, you know, have it be a teaching point for other people. And thankfully in the last six, seven years, I have a great community of people that, I mean, are like, no, you're not going live with that. Like sit on it for seven months. Perfect. We'll revisit this in seven months. And I'm like, no, but this is for my business. (laughs) No, your heart's way more important than, you know, so. That's so life-giving. Yeah, Yeah, same for me. I mean, I could definitely fall into those traps. Mm -hmm. And I started about five years ago, this beautiful accountability group with these women Mm -hmm. in my life. We've been friends for years. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we have a series of questions that I could give you to offer your yeah. listeners um, because they're so powerful, so life-giving and five years in answering them every single week has oh, been wow. changing my life. But we ask these really hard questions. Do you like the person that you're becoming? Is Whoa. your heart for God shrinking or growing? Um, have you compromised on your financial integrity? Have you compromised um, on your sexual integrity? And just Whoa. ask all these different powerful questions. And one of the most meaningful ones to me was, are you giving your family your emotional scraps? Whoa. And why it was so life-giving to me is exactly what you just said. I realized I was giving my best everywhere else. And in a way it was actually me avoiding intimacy Mm. with the people I love the most Mm -hmm. because I would come home so tired, so worn out, so weary. And, you know, well, not see my friends for like two months straight because I've got so much going on or I'm serving all these people or I'm helping all these folks. And then I realized Mm. like, for what? Like, they're not going to show up for me at three o'clock in the morning. Yes to serving. I love all of it. Like go for gold, go for broke when it comes to that kind of stuff. And at the same time, they're not coming when I need something and they're not going to be here to offer a meal when there's a tragedy in my Mm. life. And so I realized I had to spend a whole year flipping my energy on its head Mm. and realizing how can I give a hundred percent of my best to the people I love the most? And then how can I reorder my life so that it has enough rest Mm. so that I'm not constantly striving and exhausted and trying to get my needs met? Um, sort of secretly while meeting the needs of others. Totally. You know what I mean? Hidden agenda. Totally. You're like, I'm doing this for you, but so that I'll feel good about myself. That's exactly right. So that I'll feel significant or like my life counts or like Mm. it makes a difference. Yeah. And part of that is realizing you count and you matter no matter what you do. Totally. Just because you live and Mm. exist on this earth. Yes. You're worth it. Mm -hmm. You're valuable. You count. You know, it's huge. So one of the quotes that haunts me that I think about all the time Mm. is from Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm. And it says, we accept the love we think we deserve. Oh gosh, yes. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's like me, like that is like so much of my story for so much of my life. And then I think of that coupled with in the New Testament and it, wait, it's the New Testament. Yeah. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Totally. And we stop at like loving your neighbor. Yeah. And what, but what's really implicit there and it says in the scripture yeah. is as yourself. Yes. So actually like if I am accepting the love I think I deserve and I'm settling for scraps and yes. I don't really love myself, accept myself, yes. I'm not walking in integrity. I'm not holding myself high. Then how 
is it possible that I authentically love others? Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? You know, I'm a single person, but what is it like to be in a marriage where Mm -hmm. I'm not loving myself? How am I supposed to love another person? Yes. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I do. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Mm -hmm. And actually I used to hear this pastor, um, and I can't remember who said it originally, but Mm -hmm. it's always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, most people do love their neighbor as they love themselves. And that's the problem. Oh, wow. And it was so like, yes, that's everything wrong with society. And I think it's because we shift the focus. Like it says to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, Mm -hmm. and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so without setting our intention on loving God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, it's difficult to love yourself. Like Mm -hmm. even think about if you want to take something like work, for example, you know, it's very easy to become a human machine. It's very easily to become a human uh, doing instead of a human being. And when you become like a machine, then you treat yourself a certain way. You have these expectations of yourself that are hard and Mm. rigid and not loving and not grace-filled and more shame-based and more condemning. And then therefore you're going to have those same expectations of others. And we have expectations of ourselves to be perfect. We have expectations of others to be perfect. Mm. And not only is our heart, soul, and mind and strength not set on the intention of God, but now our heart, soul, mind, and strength is set on this intention of perfection. Mm. And then we have this, this expectation gap and it causes us to live in perpetual disappointment. Mm -hmm. We are just always walking around disappointed because the day hasn't gone like we hoped. The relationship didn't go like we hoped. The person didn't act the way we wanted them to act. A family member didn't do what we thought they should do. And we just walk around frustrated and disappointed. And I think this is most of the human experience and we're unable to be present and we're unable to love ourselves or or deal in reality, which is like the coins we need to be dealing in, mm-hmm. not what we hope and yeah. not what used to be, but like, what is the reality and how can I respond to it in a way that's grace filled and loving? But I think the intention has to start with God and very often we're like self-care, self-care. And I'm here for it. I need to yeah. do better for it. You know, in that area, I need to do better. You know, I've got two little kids or two and five. I'm tired. Like I need to do better. Bless you. But at the same time, like my intention first has to be to love God. And when I set my self my sights on him. Yeah. It's easier for me to see myself in light of who he is. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I'm more likely to see others yeah. in light of who he is. That's such a good you know? point. That's such a good so point. It's really powerful. So you and you, when you said like, you were talking about expectation, mm-hmm. like I let's kind of go into that yes. and unpack that a little bit. Cause I think there's, like for me, I, I, I don't ever want to shut hope off. Right. And I think especially as women, and maybe I think this is especially women, quote unquote, because I am a woman and that's my experience. But so I talk to women and they're like, well, I'm just going to be single forever. Sure. Or like, I'm always the friend, never the lover. And Mm -hmm. those are all things that I thought about myself for a long time, but really I shut off hope and I diminished my expectation because my past circumstances, because Mm -hmm. I had been hurt. I had been disappointed. Mm -hmm. I had been rejected. So the risk of hope didn't feel worth the possibility of disappointment. Mm. And so Mm. like what I really claim onto is this Romans five, eight, I think it is. It says like hope will not put you to shame. So what is it to have like healthy expectations Mm -hmm. and not reject hope, not be defined by the past disappointments? How do we stay present 
and our circumstances and how we manage those expectations. Cause girl, I feel like every day that's me. I'm like, today's going to be a good 100%. day. Totally. And then it's like two hours in and I'm like, what? My house is a mess. Yeah. Like the person on the subway dripped their sweaty back on me. Yes. And it's a real place. I mean, I'm just like, get me out of here. And I'm like, how did I get here? Like an hour ago, I was like, we'll play worship music. Like, oh, totally. Like, Jesus, I love you. I'll do anything for you. And then the homeless person bumps into me and I'm like, ew, he smells. Oh my gosh. It's a real place. It's a real place. You know, I think that something that spurs hope on Mm. is this idea of being um, rooted in meaningful relationship with others. Mm. Because there is no way for hope to survive when we're lonely and isolated. And even though we're the most connected generation and connected, I would put in quotation marks, we are also the most lonely, the most isolated, the most... um, yeah, a lone generation. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I think it's really important to have relationships in your life that will hold you. Like yeah. we need people to carry us through. You know, if you're single and waiting on someone, this is a really hard thing. I got married in my early 30s. So I know that can that can seem very far off for someone who might be 22 listening. And it can also seem, well, good for you, for someone who may be in their early 40s or 50s, mm-hmm. still waiting for a spouse or perhaps hoping to get remarried. Yeah. So I recognize that that could still mean whatever it means to people. But at the same time, I went through a lot of really bad breakups. Mm-hmm. And I can remember my last breakup um, before meeting my husband, I felt so strongly. I did exactly what you said. I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done. They're not out there. There's no good men. This sucks. Like, I'm just not ever going to try again. I'm through. And I felt so strongly the Holy Spirit. I was sitting with a dear friend of mine, and I felt so strongly the Holy Spirit say to me, can you trust me when there's no tangible evidence that I'm going to come through for you? Wow. Because that's what faith is. Wow. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And God in His goodness and grace is evidence Mm. that we can hope that we can have faith, even when our circumstances have told us something different. And I think through relationship, we can deal with sort of the compounded disappointment because sometimes that's why it hurts so bad because you're like, this has happened again and again and again. And it creates sort of this roadmap in our internal makeup. that's like, this is just what happens to me. Like it's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. And this could be, you know, in your career, it could be in your dating life. It could be in a million different areas Mm -hmm. of life, but that's how it feels. And it's compounded. Mm -hmm. And so I think relationship is the thing that helps you go, no, you are amazing. That guy was a punk. <laughs> You're incredible. I love you. We're going to keep the faith together. I'll yeah. hold you right now. I'll carry you through. I know you don't have hope right now, but I will stand with you like God. Because God says, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. Mm-hmm. And I think we have people in our lives who can be those people who are like, I will be faithful. Mm-hmm. I'll be faithful. I'll stand here with you. I'll believe with you even when you don't believe. And I will hold this space. And so I think that's the thing that helps us hold on to yeah. it. We try to muscle up and do it with willpower and figure out by ourselves and nobody can do that it's not how we're created okay all my single ladies listen up raise your hand if dating as a single woman of faith in today's swipe right swipe left culture has been a struggle fest I've experienced it at all from being stuck in the friend zone like it was my job to my dating life looking like the Sahara Desert to awkward setups to heartache to being ghosted and pretty much everything in between. But you know what I've discovered? It doesn't have to be this way. Truly. I know you're like, cat. you don't know me. You don't know my story. And you're right. But I know mine and I know what it's like to feel hopeless in this area of my life. And I know what it's like to move into my season of singleness and dating with hope and clarity and practical tools. 
and freedom. And over the last few years, I've literally journeyed with thousands of women all over the world and walking into more freedom and purpose in their dating life. So I created a free guide for you to help you jumpstart your dating life and get unstuck. It's called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life. You can grab it for free at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. In this guide, I will teach you the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. And then I'm going to show you how to get unstuck in your relationships. I know you want to meet a quality guy, but it's like, how, right? I got you, girl. Then the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically transform your season of singleness. And lastly, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. This guide is for you if you're a woman of faith that longs for a meaningful relationship but have no idea how to get there. Is that you? Then go ahead and go to bit.ly slash TRW dating tips and grab my free guide, six tips to activate your dating life. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so important to have like trusted people yes. to like all right, are my expectations off here? I mean, I'm trying to think of, oh, I mean, I just asked you, I was telling you about a date I just went on recently and I was like, ah, uh, this is what he said about on date two. Like, I'm totally freaking out. Like, are my ex- like, are my expectations off? You know, am I, am I going into freak out mode? And, and sometimes that's why we need community. Like, right. We need, like, I needed to hear you like validate, but also yeah. we need people that are like, no, like, it is a little bit of an overreaction yes. or like maybe the expectation is set too high. Yes. And oftentimes like we don't know that we have an expectation until we feel disappointment. Totally. Like, Man, I feel so disappointed exactly right, right now. And it's like, yes. Oh, I expected that. Yes. And I think then in relationship, like you're saying, then we get to voice that like, yes. Oh, actually like I'm feeling disappointed because I thought that this is what we were going to do today. That's it. Like, I think yes. we have to be willing to have yes. those conversations. And yes. I know like your whole book is like rise of the truth. Yes, color. Exactly. Like, how do you like for, you know, my mom and I were talking yesterday. I'm like, She's like, I'm sorry. I think you got that for me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the person who's like word vomit and then I'm backpedaling. So it's not as hard for me to like get the words out. Sure. I'm usually like, okay, didn't mean it like that. Okay, sorry. That came out really harsh. Or let me sure. back up. So for the person who's like, I don't even know like that concept of like mm. being that truthful in a relationship or yeah. being like best friend, you let me down yeah. or best friend. I think you are making an unwise decision. I don't think you yeah. should be dating that person. Like how do we have those truthful conversations? Mm-hmm. I love this question because it was a journey for me too. I'm an internal processor, so it takes me a very long time to talk. So we're the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And my husband is external processor and many of my friends are as well, Mm -hmm. but it was a real journey for me to learn how to do that. And I think that, um, what, one thing I practice in my relationships that feel new or like, I'm not sure if I can say this yet. One thing I'll do is I'll say, there's something I want to talk to you about and I need a lot of grace. It's no big deal. Cause then that sounds like really dramatic. Like it's not a big deal, but I just don't know how the words are going to come out because I'm not that great at this yet, but I would love to share something with you that's on my heart. Is that okay? Mm. And then the response is usually very soft to tender. Totally. Okay. So then it's, you know, the other day when you said this to me, it made me feel like this, Mm. was that your intention? 
And so just asking a question sometimes I feel can just bring a, a response like, oh no, that's not at all what I intended. And mm. actually I wasn't even thinking that, or no, that's exactly what I meant. And yeah. <laughs> you can have sort of real conversations, but I usually try to start it by setting the tone for, I need some grace here. Yeah. And can I ask you a question? Yeah. Because then it's a conversation and it doesn't feel so scary for me to do that. Yeah. Um, versus me just sitting down and being like, when this happened, that made me so upset and this, that, or the other thing that doesn't feel like a conversation to me. And that feels more scary. Yeah. So if I can just bring it down to, I know I need some grace Yeah. and here's the question I want to yeah. ask you. Um, then that's been very, very helpful for me in all of my relationships. Um, no, what about conflict? Yes. You know, I mean, my favorite things. I have roommates, <laughs> yeah, you know, you have a spouse, yes. you have kiddos, but yes. I just think, I think navigating conflicts, mm-hmm. like for me, what I can be is like, all I said it wrong the other day. I, what's the right phrase? All bark, no bite. I was yes. like, I'm all bite, no bark. <laughs> my friend, I like, see you coming. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's what you mean. <laughs> Opposite. I was like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, conflict resolution, and then I can be like so scared to bring something up. Totally. I feel like I'm like. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say to? like women trying to navigate, okay, what do you do in like a fight? Totally. fight well. Yes. So my dear friend who's an educator talks about this because she talks about the different TV shows that children watch Mm. and how in the TV shows that children watch, for the most part, what's on TV now is you see these conflicts, right? There's a good guy, a bad guy, there's a conflict, it gets resolved by the end of the episode. Mm. And the problem with that is it's not real life. Mm. And then you don't get to actually see somebody go on a process. Mm. And I realized that the same is true for the TV shows that we watch Mm. and the things that we see online. It's like, you see the finished product, you see something resolved or it gets resolved in a really unhealthy way. Like, you know, sometimes in romantic comedies, you'll see a very dysfunctional relationship. They resolve a conflict with sex and you're like, okay, well, it's still going to be waiting for you when it's done. Like that guy didn't, that didn't fix anything. And and so I think that we also have been trained to think two things about conflict. One, Mm. that it's not supposed to happen. And two, that there's a way to resolve it without actually dealing with the And so I think because we've been taught those two things, we have this mental struggle to understand that conflict is very normal. It should be a daily part of our life. It just should be. There's conflict everywhere you go, on your job, in your home, with your family members, with your dear friends. Conflict is such a normal part of life. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, is that you can resolve it. And the things that feel like they take a little longer to resolve, you don't have to be in a bad place in your relationship. You can actually remain connected even though you're in conflict and even though there's tension. You can still be kind to one another. You can still be respectful. You can still resolve it in a healthy way. And so I think that's really important to know that conflict is normal and there is a way to resolve it and um, that it's good. It brings us closer. Now I know. The more we talk about things that are difficult and hard, the more I know, the more I can love, the greater my capacity to serve is, the the greater my ability to receive is because now I know. And so I think for us to just grow past this idea that, you know, conflict is bad. Yeah. If you don't have conflict, that's bad. Yeah. Totally. You're not being real. You're not wearing a mask. You're not growing closer. You know? Absolutely. So it matters. So one thing that I do in conflict that I've been really, not even in conflict, but I also, I, this is what I teach the women in my like activate your dating life course Mm -hmm. is like leading with vulnerability. Mm. So I think that that. um, a lot of times, so even we'll just take conflict off the table. Like I'm in this ambiguous relationship with one of my guy friends. Like I have feelings for him. Like Mm -hmm. maybe there's some mixed messages 
And so we need to have a conversation. Totally. So a confrontation, whatever you, a DTR, whatever you want to call yes. it, maybe it's a conflict because <laughs> well, I'm having conflicting feelings and I don't know what your feelings are and I'm conflicted about it. There is a conflict inside. Yes. yes. There's a conflict inside of me. So I think what, what I used to do is I would kind of enter into those conversations kind of with a chip on my shoulder. Mm. Like you are doing this confusing thing to me. Right. Like pointing the finger. Right. And like, you, like I need to know where you're at. Right. And I also, so now what I think is that's being in the masculine energy, like creating mm. a demand versus sure. um, holding space and creating an invitation, sure. which is, I think, being more in the feminine. But like, I've, I've wondered like, okay, that doesn't work well when I right. do that. Yes. So what I try now is like, Hey, like I love hanging out with you Mm -hmm. and I am developing a crush on you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm like reading your signals wrong or anything, but I I'm feeling some feelings for you. Like I just wanted to see where you're at. So, and so I feel like, you know, we are, we put a demand on other people to be humble. We put a demand on other people to say sorry. And then we're wondering why do these conversations not go well? And then, and then girls are like, why don't guys want to ask me out? And I'm like, well, we're coming from a place of demand as opposed to even when I enter into a conflict, like I always try to be like, even if I feel wronged, like how can I lead out in this conversation Mm. in humility. It's beautiful. I love that so much. And I think it's really powerful principle to practice in recovery, especially that's one of the principles is Mm. you practice I statements. Mm. So we never start sentences with you. The Mm. statement always starts with I, even if the behavior or the situation or the circumstance is frustrating that the other Mm. person is doing, I am talking about my reaction to it instead of shaming and blaming the person. I'm taking responsibility for my part. And I'm also making a request for change or quest for information or an opportunity to work something out. And so I statements are always going to serve you more because that's it. They're humble. Um, and they are, they're an invitation. It's like, can we talk about this? Let's dialogue about it. And then we get to respond. So however somebody's response is, whether it's a dating relationship or whatever it might be, determines your next steps. My husband always says that, oh, when they made that decision, that was directive for me. Mm. And I'm like, yes, you're right. Because we get to respond to other people's decisions Mm -hmm. in a way that's healthy and good for our souls and our lives. So I love that I statement. So what would be an example of like an I statement? Like what if you and I are in a fight? Right. (laughs) So I would probably say, let's say um, you never do the dishes. I'll pick a really dumb roommate thing that does drive people crazy. Like, let's just be honest. I definitely (laughs) do the dishes, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) I do too. I'll just take one from you, my husband. He always leaves food on the dishes. Baby, if you're listening, I love you. But he does. He'll put food in the sink. And I'm like, this is so gross. We don't have a dishwasher disposal. Mm. Like, wash the plate. Yeah. And so then I'll say, when you didn't take care of that, it made me feel very frustrated because mm-hmm. I feel like we keep having this conversation over and over again. Mm-hmm. What can I do to, to do something different in our yeah. kitchen? How can we take care of this? Because yeah. it's very frustrating to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very helpful. Yeah. Um, so very often for me, it's when you did this or when you said this, it made me feel like, yes. and then there's a question that follows. Yes. Is there something we can do about it? Yeah. Is there a way that we could resolve this. Did you intend to make me feel that way? Yes. Cause you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm having this like total, like flashback nostalgic moment with you saying that. So my youngest sister was born when I was 17. Oh my God. So her name is Grace. So much. Oh my gosh. She's a senior in high school now. It's like oh, very crazy. Um, I'm literally double her age now, but when she was in kindergarten, so she's five years old and all my, all my sisters, except for me went through this particular elementary school. Cause I was much older than them. So I went somewhere else. 
Mm-hmm. And they were taught to do iMessages. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing is an iMessage. Wow. But, so, you know, Grace comes home from school. She's like, you know, five years old, kindergarten. And she's like, Sally on the playground, like, did this. And I gave her an iMessage. <laughs> she wouldn't stop it. And I didn't know what an iMessage right. was. And so I literally thought she was, like, passive-aggressively, like, <laughs> staring at her in the eyes and I did not know for like I think it was only a couple years ago I finally was like Grace what's an eye message and she's like you know you say like when you did this I don't like that when you do this because it makes me feel like this totally I can't believe first of all wherever she goes to school I want to send my children that's incredible well done Texas yeah I'm like oh it's like her teacher in recovery maybe or it has to be because nobody does that yeah well another thing that I know from recovery is like they say always take the high road yes and that's right I don't want to take the high road no and sometimes I don't always take the high road now that phrase they have the like isms like all the phrases you know and I'm like those freaking phrases (laughs) but they work right yeah remember them they work (laughs) Um, okay I kind of want to swing back around we have just a few more minutes Mm -hmm. to connect back to your story from the beginning yeah you kind of shared you shared a lot yeah you know you grew up feeling like this mask you were the strong one you got into like drug abuse alcohol abuse um you had an abortion sexual assault like wow Mm -hmm. that's I don't want to like skim over that totally you know um what has healing looked like from that Mm -hmm. and like what was the time process of that and um because I just think I know so many women are gonna hear that and be like wait a second like that's me totally you know and um how do I you know it's been 30 years and I'm still haunted by this thing like how do you do you feel like full healing is possible Mm. with stuff like that Yes, I do. I, and I have experienced it. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I had to, the first thing I had to do is recognize that it's a process. You Mm -hmm. know, I wanted it to be over quickly. I wanted healing immediately. Mm -hmm. And then even having faith, I had this sort of, um, again, false expectation that it would just fix my life. Mm -hmm. And that's not what faith is. And that's not what faith does, you know? Uh, And so I think I had to recognize that this is going to be a process and I had to remove my time constraints and remove all my limits and remove all my demands Mm -hmm. of what I think the healing process should look like and just again deal in reality what would this really look like for me to heal and I remember the first time sharing a story with my um, dear friend she actually called and just said you know um how are you and I did what I always did I'm fine how are you and started asking her a million Mm -hmm. questions just flip the tables then 15 minutes later she like knocks on my door and she's standing there and so I fall on the floor crying hysterically and for the first time just started telling my story Um, and she laid on the floor with me she cried with me and I think having the power of presence did so much for me she didn't advise me she didn't try to change me she didn't you know give me 12 steps to healing she was just with me Mm -hmm. and so for me it was one step at a time like one foot in front of the other Uh, oddly the first thing the Lord asked me to do was stop having sex with my boyfriend at the time Mm -hmm. and when I did that it was like these rose colored glasses came off of me and I recognized that I had been seeing him through a lens that wasn't true mm-hmm. and wasn't real and he actually really wasn't good for me and I couldn't heal within that relationship and within six months we had broken up yeah. and then I got into therapy and I started going to recovery groups and then I started building more friendships and just through time found healing yeah. um, and it was really beautiful really powerful I'm completely healed and free from the eating disorder which is amazing and so mm-hmm. thankful for that um, and same thing with drug addiction with abusive alcohol same thing um, and I think other things 
takes some time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think even being married, having to sometimes sort of take off the mask of shame in my Mm -hmm. sexuality or feeling Mm -hmm. like, you know, some things feel more uncomfortable because of my background or because of the sexual assault. So figuring out what does it look like for me to be honest in this space? How can we tenderly love one another? My husband is very gentle, very loving, very kind, very Mm -hmm. grace-filled. And that has been a ministry for my heart and Mm -hmm. soul. And then even the abortion, you know, recognizing when I got pregnant with my son, realizing like, this is my, this is my second baby Mm. and just letting that be okay. Mm. And then finding places to serve, you know, leading, leading groups for women who um, are in need of abortion recovery Mm. or making sure that I have people in my life who are recovering for things that I can mentor and walk with and journey with. I think all of this has been part of my healing process Mm. and that's 16 years summed up. So this is not easy. And I remember a mentor Mm. in the very beginning of my journey said, recovery is a lifelong journey and just set the tone for me. It's mm. like, I may never be done with some yeah. of this stuff and that's okay because mm. it's glory to glory and strength to strength, yeah. like the Bible says. Mm. So one foot in front of the other. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say? Well, first, thank you for sharing mm. that. I have goosebumps on my body. So I'm sharing that. Um, but you know, you, you say you have 16 years mm. of sobriety and first yes. of all, congratulations. Thank you. That is, thank you so much. You no, know, like it's, that's a yeah. every moment by moment choice. Yes. And it's, the road less traveled. Yeah. Um, something I've been just thinking about is like, what is it to finish strong Come in on. our lives? You know, like what, and also like what, if we fall, like, okay, it's not the end of the world. That's like right. let's get back get up. up. Yeah. Um, but what does pursuing wholeness and sobriety look like mm-hmm. now for you after having, you know, a long season? Mm-hmm. Cause it can kind of be, I don't know. I would think, is it easy just to be like, Oh, I, I don't need to really pursue this anymore. I got mm-hmm. this now. Like, how do you still pursue wholeness in that way? Yes. Well, I, I think to myself all the time that I'm one, one decision away from stupid. Mm. And so I live like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps me stay humble. And it yeah. helps me know that I'm in need and that it's very easy for me to get in denial and yeah. think that I don't need anything. Yeah. And so for me, part of it is just working the daily steps. What does it mean to be in accountability with others who love me? Yeah. Do I have enough relationships where I'm honest and open? Mm-hmm. Am I telling the truth about mm-hmm. myself and about my life? And those are regular questions I'm asking. Is there a gap in my integrity? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm asking those hard questions. And I think that's really helped me and saved me. And then when I'm tempted, I say so. Mm-hmm. So I don't just like, secrets make you sick. So I don't just hold it inside and think to myself like, oh, I can I can battle this temptation. No, I will mm-hmm. say to someone, you know what? Today, I really felt like my recovery was in danger. It was wow. that kind of day. Mm-hmm. Like, I just need you to know that. I'm okay. I didn't make any dumb decisions, but I want to let you know I'm really close to the edge. Mm-hmm. And having the courage to say that, because I think sometimes we can get so far in our career or maybe even in our faith where we think like, oh, I should just be beyond this. I've been mm-hmm. walking with God for 15 totally. years. It's like, are you kidding me? Totally. Everybody has struggles. I don't oh, care if you're yeah. 90 years old. You got some pain, you got some struggles, you got some things. Oh yeah. And so I think recognizing that it's okay to always be broken. Like we're not working ourselves out of brokenness. Mm -hmm. I'm still a human being with skin on, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't get changed into the image of God Mm -hmm. until I see his face. Yeah. So knowing that helps me stay humble and work the steps and walk in integrity. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Like one, one wrong, one, one decision away from stupid. Like on the flip side, you don't want to be like, oh my gosh, like I'm just scared to death of everything. I'm like, what wrong move? I mean, I feel like that with technology, I'm like, I'm one wrong move away from like accidentally like imploding my computer. Like how does the internet work? Um, But I think of, you know, 
what uh, I've been very honest on here about struggling mm-hmm. with anxiety and you've walked 100%. with me through that. Like yeah. I've been on stage, you know, yes. in your presence, struggling with anxiety. Yeah. And I think when I first walked through he- like really intense healing mm-hmm. and like really prioritizing sobriety from fear, right. really, I felt like I'm back at square one mm-hmm. when I struggled with anxiety again, or I had the moments of panic and I just yeah. went, Oh my gosh, that was all for naught. Like, what the heck? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't, I felt so ashamed right. for the struggle. Right. And it's like, I was like, it took me a lot of like grace with myself, community being yes. like, all right, it's not the absence of the temptation. It's not the mm. absence of fear. It's not the absence of any of those things. It's what do we do when they come up? Come on. Who do we turn to? Yeah. Who we invite into this space? Because when we keep it in the dark, that's when it's going to fester. fester. Yes. Like a, one of the recovery people in my life calls it like the a bo- like a festering boil. Mm. You know, like don't ignore the festering boil. That's like right. you got it. You got to bring it out. That's exactly um, right. And realizing now, like even, okay, like I was on an airplane recently and I, I don't call it, I don't call it a panic attack. I had a moment where I was like, I'm feeling, I feel nervous right now. Okay. Now I have tools. Right. Okay. So here's where we're at. It doesn't mean, I don't have to judge myself for having a hard day. You don't have to judge yourself for being like, oh, I felt close to the edge today. Like actually that is what protects sobriety right correct is being like That's oh exactly i'm like right. close to the edge right now yes all right let's back away from the edge totally. what are my tools that i That's have right. like what decisions can talk I make? to people That's yeah exactly it yeah it's beautiful yeah you're amazing cat you love, you. love you so much yeah thanks for having this conversation yes. i'm so happy to be here goodness i'm still crunching my dead ends <laughs> They're beautiful. She's stunning, you guys. Just like lit up like a Christmas tree. So gorgeous. (laughs) Okay. Well, just in closing, how can people find out about you? Where can they buy your book? Like what's going on with your book launch? Because I know this is going live, like right in the midst of all the, all the funness. So starting October 1st, it is available wherever books are sold. You can get the book, which is very exciting. And um, I have pre-order bonuses for you if you happen to be listening to this before then. Mm -hmm. And if not, then please just go get it somewhere. You can also find me on Instagram if you want to at Ash Abercrombie. Or you can go to my website, watch my book trailer, check out a bunch of great stuff. Mm -hmm. Ashabercrombie.org. Yes, love it. All right, love you, girl. Bless you. Love you. Talk to you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.